ever wondered what a Zoom call with seven and eight-year-olds would be like? Do you think it might be interesting, energetic, noisy, nearly impossible? Well, at Tiburon Baptist Church, it is wonderful, and it is discipling children. One day each week, second graders from our church gather on a Zoom call as part of TBC Kids' Awana program. And they have developed quite a space and carved out time that they enjoy being together. They look forward to it every week where they really love each other and encourage one another. It's a fantastic time. Recently, uh, as they, they come to the time where they share prayer requests during their Zoom chat online, one of them asked for prayer for a boy named Tim, a school friend of his who was uh, going to the office, being sent to the office quite a lot. And so one of our uh, second graders from the church asked that, uh, that the other children would join him in prayer for Tim, his friend, and, and they prayed for Tim. And within just a few days, uh, the parent of that boy in our uh, children's program uh, contacted Monica, our children's pastor, and, and uh, connected Monica with Tim's mother. And they have since entered into a conversation. And can you guess what might be happening? You might have guessed it. Tim will be joining that group very soon, and his younger sister might also join our WANA program to reach out to children in the community, to disciple them in the love and the gospel of Jesus. Isn't that such great news? This experience is a modern version of what Jesus said about making men and women, boys and girls, about making us fishers of men, fishers of people, where we enter into the work that God is doing and participate with Him in the world. As in a moment, we will open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, open them there. Uh, before we hear the scripture, uh, Jesus has been baptized. He's gone out into the wilderness where he was tempted. We focused on that last week. He now relocates uh, out of, uh, to a new area of Capernaum, the city around the Sea of Galilee. And he's beginning to preach in his messages Repentance, like John the Baptist was. He, we'll see here in this passage today about his calling of people to come and follow him. And then the verses that follow are about his healing. Ministries of Jesus, of preaching, calling, and healing are ministries that, that the church, which the Bible describes as his body, his arms and feet on earth, and the church continue today preaching, calling, and Healing. Today we will focus on uh, two pairs of brothers who decide to follow Jesus. And it's really a, a sermon about discipleship. Discipleship where we become students of life for life. And one of the aspects of our discipleship is what we will focus on today. And that is what does it mean to be participants in inviting others also into discipleship, connecting people to Jesus so that they too might become disciples. Hear now the reading of God's Word. Thank you, Jake, for reading the Bible for us today. As we have heard, our focus is on Jesus as he uh, starts his ministry now in the area of Galilee. He comes across two pairs of brothers, Peter and his brother Andrew. And 
James and his brother John. Peter and Andrew are fishermen just like James and John are fishermen. We see that, that the Peter and Andrew are casting their net out into the ocean. You know, people still fish that way today. In fact, I was recently down in Paradise Pier with Jerry Lewis and, and one of my sons, Jake, and we watched people as uh, certain schools of fish were uh, uh, spawning right now, and they would take these nets, they're round, but they would gather them, they look like a long drape uh, in their hands, a long curtain almost, and, and they have weights around the bottom and a long rope on them, and they take with a certain technique, and they throw these nets out into the water, and as they cast them out, the nets open up if it's done well, and it becomes a circle, almost like a frisbee, that's spinning as it goes down into the water, and the weights then pull down the net into the water. They're still holding the rope, and as it gets to a certain point, they pull the rope, and it, it captures whatever might be within the net. That, that was the type of fishing. still happens today in so many places around the world. But that was the fishing that James, or Peter and Andrew were doing. And James and John, they're described as being on the boat with their father. They're, they're tending their nets and uh, working in that craft. But both of them end up leaving behind what they were doing, part of their identity there in order to take up a new identity with Jesus, leaving those things to go with Jesus. Peter and Andrew described, the Bible says, that they have once left their nets and followed Jesus. James and John say that they immediately, at the calling of Jesus, immediately they left the boat of their father and followed Jesus. You see, part of what we learn in this passage is this, that allegiance to Jesus is stronger than any other earthly attachment. That allegiance with Jesus is stronger than any other earthly attachment. You see, disciples... Part of being a disciple of Jesus is to call others to discipleship. Part of being a disciple of Jesus is to call other people into discipleship. This is what our mission statement is. It's calling Marin and Beyond to live in the fullness of life through Jesus. It is to call disciples who are out calling other would-be disciples who are out calling other future disciples to come and follow Jesus, just like we are trying to do. You see, following Jesus and His call in your life, it will alter your life. It alters your, your destiny. It alters your eternal reality. It is the promise of heaven instead of hell. It is the promise of life forever in the glory and wonder of of God and His presence, following Jesus. You see, the Scripture tells us over and over again, redirects your life as Jesus transforms and shapes what you love. He transforms and shapes how you think, and He transforms and shapes the choices that you would make. There are two big ideas that I want us to focus on out of these verses today. And the first is this, that we see with both Peter and Andrew and with James and John, we see both of them, all four of them, both group, both sets of brothers, they make a decisive response. They make a decisive decision to follow Jesus. You see, the message of Jesus is to repent for the kingdom of God is here. That is the message that Jesus preached 
And this is a, a call to a salvation. It's a call to discipleship. It's a call that is not just one moment in time, but, but it's a beginning of a lifelong journey with Jesus. It's a call that when it's accepted, it is a decisive moment that from this point forward, I'm saying yes to Jesus and yes to God's Holy Spirit to touch my whole life and to transform me into the man or the woman or the boy or the girl that God wants me to be. You see, we, we don't really know out of the way Matthew presents this how much interaction there might have been with Jesus before this moment. All Matthew is interested in is giving a representation of how Jesus would call these early disciples and they would go and to follow. You see, an immediacy is something that's really important to Matthew. And explaining and emphasizing their immediate response is something that is really important to them. To Peter and Andrew, Jesus says in verse 19, Come, follow me. And at once, verse 20 says, that they left their nets and followed him. He goes to James and John and he calls them as well. And in verse 22 it says, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You see, allegiance with Jesus means that we hold loosely all other earthly attachments in our life. Because Jesus is greater than all other things that we can have. In those days, you see, it's interesting that a student in those days, a student would go and, and identify a rabbi or a teacher that, that he wanted to follow, and he would basically make an arrangement, say, I, I want to follow you, I want to learn how to do life from you and with you, as I listen to you, as you teach me, as I observe the way you live your life. But here it's interesting, it's different. Jesus is not like a normal teacher of the day. Because Jesus comes to them, and he is the one choosing, he is the one calling to follow me. He says, come and follow me. And uh, I just want us to think about that. Jesus, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, is himself the one who calls you. Jesus calls you. And invite you to come and learn life from Him. Learn what the good life is about in the life that He lives and wants to give you. To learn from Him how to do life well. To learn from Him how to live your life rightly. To learn from Him how to organize your life for the benefit of others and the glory of God. Jesus Jesus invites you to come and follow Him and to learn how to do life with Him. There's an immediacy of these guys' response. There's an immediacy at times that God wants to call out of you to pull you forward as you sense God would pull you forward toward Him, do not delay. Whenever you sense God's Spirit saying to you, come and follow me, the only right response is, yes, yes, I want to follow. Yes, I will give you my life. Yes, I will trust you with my future. I will follow you. Today, the Bible says, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart.
but give your heart to him. Give your life to him, and you will rejoice. You see, this decisive response of these men is not unlike President Eisenhower many decades ago. On February 1st, 1953, at the age of 62 years old, just 10 days after his inauguration, President Dwight Eisenhower was baptized into the Christian faith. He had Christian roots as a boy, but he made a decisive decision, even after stepping into the, the, the job and the role of President of the U.S., stepping into residence in the White House, he comes and is baptized. He began his inaugural address with a short prayer that he had written himself. His cabinet meetings began with a moment of silent prayer. He initiated the National Prayer Breakfast and he uh, welcomed uh, Billy Graham, the the well-known evangelist, into the White House as his spiritual advisor. You see, President Eisenhower back then made a very decisive decision that his future life and his presidency and his leadership and, 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 and he wanted everything to be touched by the reality and the presence of Jesus in his life. And so God calls, and when he calls, he he invites a decisive response from you. Not one that is half-hearted, not one that is, uh, well, okay, I'll see, but if something better comes along, then I'll jump after that. It is no, it's it's a discipleship of life where you you say, yes, I want to be a disciple in all of my life, and I want to do it for my entire life. And that's our our next and last uh, point of emphasis this morning, is that Jesus calls you, To be a disciple of life for life. A disciple of life for life. To to come and be a student of how to live rightly and well in the way of Jesus. And that, that that is a pattern and a journey of your life for the rest of your life. As long as your lungs take in air, then you are following Jesus In other words, there there is a new center of gravity around which your life now rotates. When when you you hear and experience the the call of Jesus in your life and you make a decisive response and you say, Yes, I will follow. Yes, I will set aside all of the other things that once were most important to me in my life and they will become secondary to the pursuit of Jesus in my life. I have driven this stake in the ground and from this day forward... I have made this decisive decision that I will follow Jesus as best I can throughout my whole life, and I will invite him to guide me in every facet then of my life. You see, life with Jesus informs every other aspect of your life. All of your life becomes radically altered and aligned with the purposes of God. This is what discipleship means. It literally means to be a student. It means to be a learner, a student of life for your whole life. Jesus is your teacher, your Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is your guide. And it's being able to look and training ourselves to look at Jesus and to look beyond books that might be helpful or blogs or, or podcasts as interesting and good and helpful as those can be. But those are not the greatest teachers about life. They might be good and helpful, but Jesus is the greatest teacher that you will have in your life. And so I want to remind you and, and, and to call you back again to be focused on the time that you have regularly with Jesus and to cherish 
that time. And, and to ask God to well up within you a hunger and thirst for those moments with Jesus because you recognize him as the world's greatest teacher, as God in the flesh, one who has come to call you to come and follow him and to be your teacher and guide. It requires adjustments in your life. You notice James and John and Peter and Andrew, that, that they made adjustments. They, they left behind their nets and their boats and uh, even their family members. Doesn't mean that they didn't love them anymore or that those things uh, were no longer important. They just were secondary in importance compared to their new allegiance with Jesus. They, they left behind their livelihood, their possessions, their occupation because Jesus reorients life in a radical way. So that what once you were, you're able to exchange for what now God wants you to be and to become. Up until this point, they had been fishermen. From this point forward, they now were disciples of Jesus. And now they begin to look at their life as not fishing for fish, but working with Jesus to fish for people. That is part of becoming the students of Jesus in his life, is to participate in the bringing of others into living contact with the Jesus who is calling them. Does that make sense to you? Part of your discipleship is to be engaged in this practice of observing the people in your life and listening to how God would want you to bring them into a living contact with the living Jesus so that Partly through your life, they might hear the call of God for them. And it's really fantastic. Sometimes you might hear me say things like this, and you think, it's well, you, you have to figure out how to do this all by yourself. And it's just you and the people in your life that God wants you to, to connect with. And sometimes that might be true, but, but the way a church functions, and, and in its beauty, is when different parts of the church work together, and we see God working in others. Uh, Susan and I and our family, we moved into our uh, the house where we live uh, about 10, 11 years ago. And uh, God has brought neighbors to us in uh, various places around our house. We've, we've done our best to try to get to know them and our very next door neighbors. We love getting to know them. They, they have a five-year-old son and over these years we've developed a friendship with them. And wouldn't you know that uh, our church over those years have had some events and activities for, for children, things like trunk or treat and bowling parties, partly designed to allow people like us who have friends, who have ages, uh, children ages of such moments of connection with these events so that we could invite them to participate. And, and these neighbors of ours have come and participated. And during these events, there's been another parent in our ministries who have a, a, a child the same age as their child. And they felt impressed of the Lord to, outside of those events, to go and initiate a, a relationship and a friendship with them as well. And they have spent time outside of church events trying to develop this relationship because they too have taken on an understanding that God, part of their discipleship, God has called them to be fishers of people. And so they, they, they met this, these, these neighbors of ours and, and they now have been uh, developing this friendship and seeking God and God's work in 
these lives through them. And the story is not yet complete. We don't know what's going to happen with that yet. But here's what is so what makes me so enthusiastic about moments like that. In fact, you're going to hear more about that, that episode uh, in a coming week. We're going to share that story a lot more with you. But here's what's great about it, is that somebody who took an interest in their neighbors also was able to connect those with the ministry of the church, and out of that connection then, God stirred another heart, and those relationships now are expanding and deepening over time, all for the purpose of together being fishers of people, and working together to see the good news of Jesus go out and to take serious efforts and to take serious personal responsibility. That it's not just me sitting down and having all the answers for this person, but we're working together hand in hand. The ministries of the church, the, the individual responsibility, the prayers that God is laying on our hearts. And this is why we've been invited to be praying one by one. You, I hope you remember pray one by one. I want to remind you this week to be praying one by one, to pray for one neighborhood, probably your own neighborhood, and to take one day a week and to spend a few minutes praying that God would, would show you what He's doing in the homes in that neighborhood, that God might, might work in, in deep ways to eradicate loneliness, and to, to work in the midst of a marriage that might be crumbling, or whatever the needs are, that, that those would be encountered the needs would be met in an encounter with Jesus, and, and we're going to be transitioning that prayer from prayer one by one to just that God would begin to give us missional eyes, to begin to, to see the world around us like fishermen might see a lake and might see how, how they are to prepare and, and to go in search uh, and that, that is part of what God wants to do with and through us. But we're going to be transitioning this prayer soon to pray two by two, where you're going to be invited two times a week to pray for two specific people in your life. You'll be hearing more about that in the days to come. But I cannot think of a better way for a church to be reignited in thinking about how God wants to work through us individually and through us corporately into our community than to pray about it, to pray that God would touch our hearts, open our eyes, and we would see His work around us for His glory and for our good. Beloved, may it be so. May your discipleship have a vital component of your participation with Jesus as fishers of people, the people around you, and in concert with others in the church. Because when we do it together, you know what? No one individual gets the glory. God always gets the glory. Father, we pray this day, we thank you for your love and your mercy. And we pray this day that you you would re-stir our hearts, that uh, you, you would reignite us and, and re-embolden us to engage in the work that you are doing here around us in this county work that seems so slow, but uh, God, our, our desire is, is not to, to grow a church as much as to introduce people to Jesus and, and to give them an encounter, to offer an opportunity for them to, to be engaged with you and to show that to them and uh, to talk to them about it. 
Uh, God, we know that you will do your work and you do it in spite of us, but you invite us into participation with you, happy, joyful participation with you. This is why we value here in this church joyful introductions and that we, we want to be people that really value that in making introductions of those who don't yet know you and to help introduce you to them, them to you. And so guide us in that, we pray, Jesus, in your name and for your sake, amen.